Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur self-defense instructor. And welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, all we do, my friends, is entertain, inspire, and inform. And I want to engage with you and be part of the conversation. So, so, find me on the Twitter, on the Brizzle, on the Instagram, and on the Cameo at Colt S. Taylor. Uh, subscribe to the podcast version of the show at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. And, of course, follow up with everything that I'm doing Throughout the month, including some occasional online DD uh, play at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. All right, folks, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week uh, is actually last weekend. Um, maybe you probably have heard by now, but uh, movie star Will Smith uh, punched slash slept. Comedian Chris Rock, after a uh, joke about uh, Will Smith's uh, wife, uh, did not quite like. Now, I'm not here to talk about who was right, who was wrong. That's being covered uh, ad nauseum on the major news channels. And you don't come here for me just to regurgitate what people are saying uh, on those channels. You're here to the Saturday report for the news you might have missed. Well, um... A uh, interesting thing that I found after this is that, you know, Chris Rock, he's a comedian and whatnot. Uh, he works. That's, that's his job. He, he does stand-up around the country and whatnot. Well, um, normally you could probably get a ticket to one of his shows for like 45 bucks and whatnot. Uh, that'd be like the cheapest seats. Well, after that incident, tickets to his show on uh, the following Wednesday on StubHub, the cheapest ticket... You know, the nosebleed seats, $444. Front row seats, $1,700. Yes, that's right. This ticket sale skyrocketed uh, just to see what he would say after that. Uh, tickets to his first show back was obviously completely, completely sold out. And then the tickets for the following shows, for the next shows, for quite, uh, quite some time is going to be... All, all sold out and whatnot. He, uh, his ticket sales went way, 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 way up. Uh, according to StubHub, uh, according to StubHub, uh, the ticket exchange and real sale company, uh, they say they sell 25 times the daily sa- times the sales. So usually the normal Chris Rock ticket sales, that increased 2,500%, 25 times, uh, exceeding all the sales for his tour in the entire uh, month of March. So that is how popular that went up. Um, they you know, they were expe- they were expecting to see a spike in his tickets. 
sales for appearing at the Oscars, which is normally what people see. Uh, you know, if a comedian appears, they'll go online, find a show nearby, they'll buy some tickets. They'll see a little, you know, a little, a little, a little jump, a little jump, um, a little, a little jump in ticket sales. But um, this one exceeded, exceeded all of their expectations. All of their expectations. Um, according to one person uh, who, uh, you know, had put a ticket in his cart. So, like, he wasn't really ready to buy it, but he sort of, like, put it there to come back later. Uh, he was going to go to the June 11th show. Mind you, we're now April 2nd. June 11th show, ticket was $89. Came back the day afterwards. It's now, because he didn't buy it, it's still floating out there, $379. So, like, a more than three times increase just for that. Oh, boy. And then another company called TickPick uh, said they sold more tickets in one night to see Chris Rock than they did in the past two months combined. So, but anyways, he did have a show this week. Uh, he said he is still processing said incident and whatnot. Uh, I will give a tip of my hat to Chris Rock because um, as a comedian, someone verbally or, you know, physically attacks you, you feel the need to go after that person more. Uh, but uh, I think he read the room correctly that uh, escalating the situation would have been not so great. But, uh, and they sort of just moved on. And obviously, you know, people are making a few bucks off of this. Uh, I don't know what will happen. Uh, in terms of Will Smith, there's a lot of things poking around here. But I'm sure you'll catch it on the regular news. Uh, I think the other thing, uh, other thing of, no, I do have one more story about this. But a funny thing you know about this is, like, you know, Will Smith is from Philadelphia. And I know a lot of Philadelphia people were saying, oh, you can't do that. He's from West Philly, though, but, you know, don't condone it, but I understand it. Continuing with uh, the whole Chris Rock, Will Smith instant at the Oscars, um, obviously Twitter went alive with a variety of comments, hot takes, memes, etc. And boy, howdy, there were a lot of tweets towards at Will C. Smith Jr. on Twitter, as well as Will Smith. Um, unfortunately, Will Smith doesn't have a Twitter account, and, uh, these two folks, uh, aren't actually Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> Will Smith, Will C. Smith Jr. is a Maryland state senator representing Montgomery County in Maryland, uh, so he's not Will Smith, and there is another different Will Smith, uh, but, uh, he is just some guy who makes video games and whatnot. He's not the actual Will Smith. Uh, he is, uh, he runs Acquiring Minds. It's a podcast about entrepreneurship through acquisition. Um, but they have gotten thousands upon thousands of tweets, retweets, private messages, uh... Saying that, um, <laughs> that, uh, why, why'd you slap Chris Rock? But that's not the real Will Smith. There's like lots of people are, are, are messaging these people thinking it is the actual Will Smith. It's not the actual Will Smith. Uh, they, uh, other people include, uh, Will Smith writer, Will Smith 30, uh, Will Smith under, <laughs> underscore two, Will Smith Fox, barely Will, and Will Smith. Uh, all these people apparently have seen 
thousands of tweets sent towards them from people angry at the actual Will Smith, but not the Will Smith who he's just he just is on Twitter. So he's not getting any messages. It's all these other people, whatnot. Fortunately, uh, I'm not aware of another Colt S. Taylor, so I don't think I would be into that. Like, I won't be wrapped up in that one day. It'd be funny if I did. I don't know if I couldn't, like, resist the temptation of being, like, kind of a bastard about it, but I, I, I probably would be. I probably would be. Uh, it's sort of related news. Um, there is a, a senator, not a senator, a representative from Florida, Matt Gates, who uh, I personally do not like. And if you are a fan of Matt Gates in Florida, you should just unsubscribe from this podcast because we have nothing in common. But uh, there is another Matt Gates out there. And so whenever Matt Gates gets in the news for, I don't know, you know, sexual trafficking, a variety of crimes he's committed and will eventually go to jail for, uh, allegedly, allegedly, but we'll see what happens. But there's another guy who's also named Matt Gates who has a name on Twitter very similar to the other Matt Gates. He gets a lot of hate tweets all the time, and he often has to says, this is not the right Matt Gates that you're, you're yelling at. And so a lot of uh, would-be Will Smiths have gotten a lot of tweets this year as well. Uh, slightly related note, um, a mayor of a small Japanese town uh, named Joe Baden, B-A-I-D-E-N, um, <laughs> uh, got, a lot of, got a lot of tweets in November 2020. Uh, because his name is very close to Joe Biden, and a lot of people can't spell out there, so he got a lot of angry tweets. Uh, but he didn't mind the the spotlight. He just hoped it would bring more tourism to a small town of 15,000 residents in uh, Japan. I don't know what town he's in, but uh, good luck to you there, Joe Biden. But anyways, yep, a lot of people who don't realize that Will Smith isn't on Twitter are yelling at a variety of different Will Smiths on on Twitter. Moving along, also in entertainment news, uh, some shocking news this week. Uh, action star Bruce Willis has announced that he is retiring from acting um, because uh, he is suffering from, uh, what's it called? Aphasia. 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 Uh, it is a cognitive det- uh, condition um, that causes... Uh, People, I mean, there's various different types of aphasia. They haven't said what kind he has, but uh, generally speaking, uh, it makes it hard for you to talk and to sort of say things. Uh, there isn't really, like, you you know what's going on, but the process of your brain putting ideas to words uh, breaks down. And uh, he is having trouble uh, saying lines in movies, remembering lines. Um, you know, he's, uh, they had to, uh, put, uh, apparently in the last few movies he had to wear an earpiece and people had to feed lines to him so he could sort of mentally put together what he wanted to say and get it out there. But it is becoming so difficult for him to do that, it has forced him to retire, unfortunately. So, uh, best wishes towards Bruce Willis, uh, well known for Die Hard, uh, Pulp Fiction, and in the early 80s, he did a TV show called Moonlighting, which was a bit ahead of its time, to be honest with you. That lot of, lot of fourth wall jokes and whatnot. But uh, yes, he has to, unfortunately, uh, retire, which is, is very shocking, very shocking. I mean, I had no, I had no, I had no idea that uh, 
he was uh, suffering from that. Um, it's, uh, it's a real shame, real shame. But uh, hopefully he is getting the treatment and the help that he can get sort of to, uh, to, uh, to handle that and whatnot. I would imagine... Uh, he has a ridiculous amount of movies in post-production right now. Um, so he, he is somewhat known of putting out a lot of movies lately. Um, like five or six a year. Like Nicolas Cage, uh, Nicolas, Nicolas Cage, uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage, um, uh, amount of movies out every year. Nicolas Cage is someone who's put out like a lot of movies every year. But, um, yeah, he, in 2021, he did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine movies. Uh, apparently three have come out so far in 2022, and he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other movies also in post-production as well. So, it'll be a few more direct-to, uh, direct-to-video movies, but apparently he was been doing this because, uh, he needs, he needs the money. And, uh, also, these movies are a little bit low stress for him to actually do. A lot of these productions are in San Francisco, in Los Angeles area, near his home, so they can get him out there in the morning, and apparently it's much harder in the afternoons that he goes on for him to get words out and whatnot, so, uh, anyway, real shame, real shame. Uh, and as a nod to that, this week, the Razzies, which, if you are unaware, before the Oscars, the Razzies come out, and they dominate the worst movies of the year. Worst actor, worst actress, worst movie, worst production, worst everything. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek pointing out the absolute most terrible movies produced this year. And this year, they had a special prize, which is a really mean one. They had a special prize called uh, Worst Bruce Willis Movie. Worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie because he put out like nine movies. So they made a special category of all of his terrible movies last year and which one was the worst. Now, with this uh, information about, you know, him struggling with aphasia and uh, that probably contributed to his performances not being as quite as sharp or as crisp as his previous ones, uh, the Razzies rescinded that award uh, this year and whatnot. In a statement, they said, uh, if someone's mental condition is a factor in their decision-making and or their performance, we acknowledge that it is not appropriate to give them a Razzie. As we mentioned in the Vulture interview, uh, extenuating circumstances also applied to Shelley Duvall in The Shining, which she got a Razzie for. We have since discovered that Duvall's performance was impacted by Stanley Kubrick's treatment of her throughout the production, we would like to take the opportunity to rescind her 1980 nomination as well. I don't think she won, but she was nominated. But anyways, uh, once again, Bruce Willis retiring from acting due to aphasia. Hopefully he's doing well. Uh, like I say, he did a joint statement with all of his family, including uh, Demi Moore and whatnot. But uh, hopefully he does well. He's okay. Hopefully it's in the last we see of him. And a very classy move by the Razzies to rescind his... Uh, Worst performance by Bruce Willis in a Bruce Willis movie, 2021, which Cosmic Sin actually won. So, you can probably check that out on a streaming service. 
Speaking of entertainment news, I have news for you, my friends. This station, AWSM Radio, is your place to be on the weekend for some musical entertainment. That's right, my good friend and personal DJ, DC, is here on AWSM Radio, and he has three shows for you. Uh, first up, Fridays at 9 p.m., it's DC Live in Effect. You don't want to miss out while he smashes it. On the ones and twos, kicking the beats from South Florida, week in and week out. And that's not enough for you. On Saturdays at 10 p.m., it's DC House Party uh, Saturdays. And he's bringing his freestyling DJ to the max. Uh, the, 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 the show, House Party Saturdays, gives you the Miami vibe without actually having to go down there to the crazy state of Florida. From the top clubs to the bars... DC will bring the party to you. And then, my friends, to uh, to uh, wrap up the weekend, that's right, DC live in effect again on Sundays at 10 p.m. So, just to recap for you, my friends, uh, Fridays at 9 p.m., DC live in effect. Saturdays at 10 p.m., the DC house party Saturdays. And then Sundays at 10 p.m., once again, DC live in effect all of your musical evening deeds on the weekend, right here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. Moving along, my friends, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, former Supreme Court of these here United States of America, um, who passed away right before the 2020 election and caused a, well, she didn't cause it, but her passing caused a bit of a kerfuffle about nominating and replacing a Supreme Court justice so close to an election after in 2016, when uh, Anthony Scalia died way back in February slash March, they said, "Whoa, we gotta wait. It's an election year. We can't. We can't nominate a Supreme Court justice during election year." Uh, they did like a month before because you know that's where the that's the way the GOP operates. Anyway, it's not to get too much off my soapbox off of there, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg is being named. A new ship is being named after her. Uh, it's not a warship because that would be kind of weird to have an icon of. Uh, Social and law, legal justice, be have a ship being shooting missiles t- to people, but uh, that would be a little bit weird. But no, not a warship per se, but a navy ship, a navy ship, a uh, replenishment oiler. Uh, what's that cult? Well, I will tell you, my friends. Uh, a lot of ships are nuclear powered, true, but. In aircraft carriers, those jets still need gas. And a replenishment oiler is a ship that carries aviation fuel and all the gas they need to run things that don't use nuclear power. There are, like, little carts on there and stuff, diner things on nuclear power. They do need some fuel, and a replenishment oiler goes along with these ships to provide that service. Not only to aircraft carriers, but uh, a lot of uh, cruisers and destroyers have helicopters on them. They still need gas. Well, the future John Lewis replenishment oiler, uh, that's a new class of ship named after civil rights icon, the late, great John Lewis. Uh, one of those ships will be named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, because uh, who uh, she was a historic figure who fought for civil and human rights. And it is the eighth ship to be named in this class. Other ships will be named after former Supreme Court Justice uh, Thurgood Marshall, uh, so, uh, also after abolitionist, women's rights activist, Sojourner Truth, of course, civil rights leader John Lewis, and gay rights icon, 
uh, Harvey Milk. So all these ships are being named <clears throat> after icons and that sort of general society. I don't know what the other names are, but those are kind of the big ones there. But uh, I don't think there is a launch date yet per se. But uh, the, 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 not the more of. But these new ships that they're building for the Navy will uh, be named after those uh, people. So that's uh, that's a very very nice little thing. Now, obviously, an oiler is not a warship. It'd be a little weird to name a warship after a Supreme Court justice, but uh, it's still a vital part of the U.S. Navy. And uh, I'm glad to see that Ruth Bader Ginsburg will have her name put on there and uh, honor her for her uh, contributions to society. We now go to Texas, uh, where my friends down there be on the lookout for an escape fugitive. Uh, this this is a fugitive from Kansas who escaped Wichita uh, in 2005. So uh, it, it's been on the run for over 17 years. Uh, height is roughly about three feet tall, two long legs, and pink. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a flamingo. There, a flamingo has been spotted in Texas. Uh, why is that interesting? Well, they, they know for sure that this is a flamingo that escaped a Kansas zoo during a bad storm in 2005. And 17 years later, they they found it. They found well, I mean, it's been spotted over the years, but it's been spotted once again in Texas. Um, it's known as number 492 because there's like a little rubber band on its leg to identify it. Uh, it's still on there and whatnot, but, uh, it has been, uh, it has been, has been found. Now it is a African flamingo, so it's not exactly native to this area, but it, the climate works with, works with the climate, you know, whatnot. Uh, but, uh, the bird along with, um, I believe another one that I don't think has been found, but this one's been seen several times. Uh, this bird and another flamingo escaped from the Sedgwick County Zoo on Wichita in June 2005 on a stormy night. Very windy, so they could get a little lift with their wings. Um, so you're probably saying, how come more flamingos don't escape zoos? Well, when they bring in flamingos, they clip their wings so they can't fly out of a zoo. They kind of just spend the rest of their life on the ground. They got wings, but they're not surrounded by predators, so they don't need to fly. They just keep the flamingos right there. So, um, <laughs> so this flamingo escaped, uh, and has been going around, uh, solely from Wichita, uh, down to Texas, uh, to Louisiana. It has been spotted in Wisconsin, so it, it does migrate and whatnot. Uh, it has been spotted with some other, other wild flamingos, which I think there are flamingos. I don't know if they're from, I, you know, I don't know my flamingo history, so I don't know if flamingos are native to the United States. I should probably check. Hang on, let me go, let me, let me bring up my crack research crew right here to find out. Oh, okay, actually, there are quite a few number of flamingos, apparently. Flamingos have a range from India to Africa to South America to... Uh, the, you know, the uh, Caribbean. Huh. I, I honestly did not know that. Uh, there is a, there's old world flamingos and new world flamingos. Huh. Interesting. So there is a greater flamingo that's in parts of Africa, South Europe, uh, Asia, the most widespread flamingo. There is the lesser flamingo, 
which is the most numerous flamingo. It's in Africa and north, in, northwest India. In the New World here in North and South America, there is the Chichilian, Ch Chilean flamingo in South America, James flamingo in the high Andes of Peru, Chile, Bolivia, and Argentina, the um, Andean flamingo uh, also in the high Andes of Peru, Chile, Bolivia, and Argentina, and then the American flamingo. There we go. Caribbean islands, southern Florida, Belize, Colombia, Brazil, Venezuela, the Galapagos Islands, the Caribbean, and Mexico. Okay, so, so, getting back. This is an African flamingo, probably a, if I had to guess, probably a less, a lesser flamingo, or a greater flamingo, a lesser flamingo, so it's from Africa. Uh, a lesser flamingo that has uh, hung out with American flamingos here in the United States. Uh, they found they escaped. It keeps popping around. Uh, authorities have not really tried to recapture it. Uh, have never made an attempt to do it uh, because there's no easy way to do it without disturbing the other wildlife. So um, you may see a rare African flamingo here in the United States, somewhere between Wisconsin and Texas. Uh, it's got a little band on his leg, says 492. But uh, this made the news in Houston and in New York. Uh, because it keeps popping up, and people are like, hey, that flamingo is a little bit different than the other flamingos, if you know your flamingos. And uh, it's an escaped flamingo from Wichita, on the run for 17 years. Uh, they generally live to be 20 to 30 years old, so people still might be seeing this flamingo for another, you know, decade. We'll see. Good luck, 492. Enjoy your freedom. In other news, uh, Amazon, not the forest, but the conglomerate, international conglomerate, I'm sure everyone has an Amazon Prime uh, subscription and whatnot, uh, they are notorious uh, for having their warehouses and a lot of stories coming out, people of tough working conditions, they pull out a lot of fancy corporate videos saying everything's groovy, but uh, a lot of people saying not so much. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, there is a warehouse who is now, has voted to make an Amazon, <clears throat> an Amazon union. Yes, a union has organized inside a warehouse on Staten Island, known as JFK 8. Uh, they voted in favor of being represented by the Amazon Labor Union, or the ALU. Uh, of those votes, there was 2,654 votes for, while 2131 votes against, 67 being contested, but that's not enough to really change it, so uh, they're going to form a union in Staten Island, and it is a pretty big deal there. Uh, Amazon has tried to tamp this down for years. Uh, there was a union uh, vote in Alabama that failed, but the National Labor Relations Board said Amazon illegally interfered in that election in 2021. Um, the union in question... Uh, the Retail Wholesale Department Store Union is trailed by 100 votes, but there are 400 contested votes um, uh, in that situation. And um, they, uh, they, uh, they're, they're, they're still working on things down there in, Am in Alabama. But the one in Staten Island, they are definitely unionizing with the ALU. The ALU says that their main goal is to increase the hourly wages for workers to $30 an hour. 
Um, the average hourly work hour, hourly pay in the U.S. warehouse uh, is eighteen dollars. Um, they're also pushing for longer breaks for workers and eliminating mandatory overtime outside of a few peak weeks of uh, for online shopping. So basically, you may think, "Oh boy, they want everything." Well, I don't think unless you've worked at Amazon warehouse, uh, it is pretty pretty intense. Pretty intense. Uh, you know, you have you know mandatory overtime hours if they start getting busy, where you have to come to work or you lose your job. And they're also tracking people, and if you don't get enough done in a day, you get fired. And the tracking software is uh, uh maybe not that great. Maybe not that great sometimes. Um, so, <clears throat> so basically, they want their workers to pick three to four hundred items in a 10-hour shift. So they have their little list of things to do, a little box, they walk around the warehouse picking things to send out, and they want to hit three or 400 items in a 10-hour shift, meaning you got to pick, you got to find 30 things, 30 things, 30 to 40 things in an hour. So basically you have one and a half minutes to find something and move on to the next thing. If it's not there or if you get stuck, then, uh, oh well, and then apparently they were penalizing people for taking too many breaks, and it's not it's not a great um, work environment. So they definitely should have thirty dollars an hour there. I mean, it's it's not a very easy easy job. And then apparently Amazon has been tracking, um, have been tracking uh, unionizing behavior. So they are sort of putting together like heat maps of where people are talking about unions and what warehouses and moving in there to sort of try to tamp it down. Uh, but here in uh, Staten Island, um, the founder of the ALU, Chris Smalls, uh, who was a warehouse supervisor, he led a small protest outside the facility to raise awareness uh, because he felt there was unsafe working conditions due to the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, they fired him, saying off that he was, uh, violating social distancing rules. Well, that went over poorly. Uh, he sued, uh, got, uh, got his, um, job back and whatnot. And, um, and they kind of, they used, they tried to use him as a poster child for unionizing because they did not think that he was smart or articulate. He's also black. And they decided to use him as a focal point as why there shouldn't be um, unions inside, <laughs> why there should be unions inside Amazon uh, warehouses. It didn't work at all. And now there's a union in Staten Island. And this is the first union for the ALU. And you know what? If they do a good job there. Something tells me this might pick up at other Amazon warehouses, and you know what? Maybe it should. Maybe it should. Uh, it's not a easy job. In fact, the average turnover rate at Amazon warehouse is 3%. So they lose, an Amazon warehouse loses 3% of their workforce. You're like, oh, 3% a year, that's not too bad. No, it's 3% a week. That's right, 3% of the people who work at a warehouse, Amazon warehouse, on average, lose their jobs, either quit or get fired. So that's 
to me, is a sign that maybe things are great there. Obviously, they get employees in there because people are kind of can be desperate for jobs. But uh, that's that that I feel like some things need to change there. Okay, that means my Amazon Prime can't get me things in two days. I'll be all right. They usually don't do that great of a job as it is. Ah, so anyways, new union in Staten Island in Amazon. I think it's a great idea. I am relatively pro-union. Sometimes I'm not. Mostly I am. So we'll see if that begins to pick up at other places across the United States and other Amazon warehouses. Speaking of organizing, friends, you need to organize your drive time home from work and listen to the rock sessions Sure, you want you want to make sure your evening commute home is fun, and uh, my friend Rocks, the host of the Rock Sessions, is bringing you the hottest music on the charts, along with some other surprises in between. Uh, she will make it rock, rock style Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, from five p.m. to seven p.m. It cannot be missed, my friends. The Rock Sessions, right here on AWFM Radio. Moving along, and this is a... I really like this this story. Um, the nation's oldest active park ranger is retiring at the age of 100. Betty Reed Soskin retired this week after 15 years uh, at the Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historical Park in Richmond, California. Uh, so, like, she hasn't been there for the last 50 years. She, she got the job when she was 84 to work there. But she, she turned 100 and decided it was finally time to retire. Uh, she led tours uh, throughout the park and museum, honoring women who worked in the factories during world, the World War II. Uh, she shared her own experiences as a black woman during the conflict. Uh, she worked for the U.S. Air Force in 1942, but quit uh, after learning she was, quote, only employed there because her boss thought that she was white. So she quit there in 1942. And then moved on to do other things. Um, she uh, became a temporary park uh, ranger in at uh, in eighty four, uh, and became a permanent park service employee in two thousand eleven. And she celebrated her one hundredth birthday in September of last year, according to director Chuck Sams. "Quote: Betty has made a profound impact at the National Park Service in in a way and the way we carry our mission." Her efforts remind us that we must seek out and give space for all perspectives so that we can tell a more full and inclusive history of our nation. Uh, Betty was born uh, Betty Charbonnet in Detroit in 1921, uh, but recalls surviving the devastating Great Mississippi Flood of 1927 while living in New Orleans. Uh, she moved to Oakland, California, uh, and then um, lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. In 1945, her and her husband founded one of the first black-owned record stores in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a civil rights activist and took part in me to develop a general management plan for the home front park and received several honors. Uh, in 1995, she was named California Woman of the Year. In 2015, she received a presidential coin from Barack Obama after she lit the national Christmas tree at the White House. Um, uh, unfortunately, 2016, uh, she was awakened in the home by a robber who punched her in the face, dragged her out of the bedroom, and beat her up, and then stole her coin. Who, she was 94 at the time, 
but she returned to work just weeks after the attack. Pretty amazing. Uh, and then she got a new coin to replace the one that was stolen. And her name was entered in the congressional record uh, as an honor. And Glamour magazine named her Woman of the Year in 2018. Wow, what a life. Holy moly. So, Betty Reed uh, Soskin, 100 years old, finally retiring from uh, the oldest, the oldest active park ranger, finally retiring, uh, worked at the Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historic Park uh, in Richmond, California. Congratulations, Betty. You deserved a well-deserved vacation. We now go to the NFL, where the overtime rules are changing for the postseason this year. The owners voted to approve these rule changes. The proposal was to be the entire season, but uh, it has been amended to just be the postseason. Uh, for those in the NFL who may not be familiar with uh, the American football, um, if there's a tie, they go into overtime. Uh, originally, it was the first person who scored won. Uh, but they felt that was a little unfair. If you won the coin, coin, coin toss, got out of the field goal range, you could kick and uh, win the game. Uh, they changed the rule so that uh, overtime, coin toss, if someone kicked the field goal, the other team had a chance to get the ball and kick another field goal. And then after that, the first person who scored would win. Uh, however, uh, if you scored a touchdown, game over. Uh, they felt that wasn't quite fair yet. Um, this kind of came from Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, not being allowed to, to uh, chance to score after uh, the Bills lost to, I believe, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the quarterback, Mo Mahomes, 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 scored a touchdown. So they felt like, you know, it's elite quarterback, the very good guy scoring cut touchdowns. They should at least have a chance to get the ball and try to score a touchdown themselves. So, basically, in the postseason, here are the new rules. Uh, do they do a coin toss? Uh, if someone scores a touchdown or a field goal, the other team gets a chance to respond. Um, if they When they score, uh, if it's still a tie, then the next person who wins, the next person who scores, wins. Speaking of sports, my friends, you don't need to go too far for some sports coverage here on AWSM Radio, especially on Wednesdays. We have two shows here that you need to listen to. First up at 9 p.m., it's To the Rack with Mac. Uh, it is your spot for all things basketball. You will join NBA expert Mac Daddy as he brings you a full hour of high-flying hoops expertise all things you need about the NBA will be here Wednesdays at 9 p.m. And then after that, you're probably saying, what's going on? I'll tell you. It's the show. What's going on? It's our Fox uh, Sports Affiliate show here, providing listeners with over 150 combined years of sports knowledge. Hosted by Nate Brown and his crew, uh, they have a, a, a collective amount of two decades of experience. Uh, they've been out in western New York covering the sports, but now they're going national. What's going on with host Nate Brown? Wednesdays at 10 p.m. here on AWSM Radio. So just to remind you, 9 p.m. to the rack with Beck. 10 p.m. What's going on right here, my friends?
at AWSM Radio, streaming here live on your phone or your computer. I mean, you can listen to us anywhere around the world. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you for joining me here today. Remember, you can find me on a bunch of social media at Colt S. Taylor, especially Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast version of this show at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. And uh, until next week, my fantastic friends, I am, of course, the one, the only Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.